0: Thank you. It is good to be back uh, after uh, my sabbatical. I am grateful to be at a church that recognizes the need for rest and study and continuing uh, education and gives our staff a couple of weeks after every five-year increment of service. And so I'm glad, uh, glad to be back. Found out some interesting things uh, about going, <coughs> going around uh, Middle Tennessee, didn't leave Middle Tennessee, uh, finding out uh, where the needs and where our talents uh, might meet, and seeing if uh, how God will unfold in the future, the staffs always freaks out when I go off because I come back with a million ideas and uh, and they 're saying we, we 're still dealing with the stuff you brought us from your last sabbatical and, uh, and so uh, but uh, interesting, uh, I went to uh, a lot of churches and um, I know you think it is normal. Uh, We have eight good preachers who are part of our team. Any one of them, I would feel very comfortable giving in the pulpit and trusting that they would bring an authentic word. Uh, and when you go out through Middle Tennessee, you see one of the things that, that, that this church has been called to do is to raise up pastors for the future. To identify those, those young men who are called and, and, and train them. And, you know, a lot of them preached while I was on sabbatical. Uh, we didn't bring in anybody outside of our church. Everybody was part of our church in one way or another, which is an interesting uh, phenomenon to be part of. Uh, you know, and I got I got the word from you guys. Hey, really enjoyed Aaron. Really enjoyed Jay. Uh, r- really enjoyed Garrett. On and on and on. And, and the last one I got said, "No hurry." <coughs> so, <laughs> so I thought it was about time uh, uh, for me to get back. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, That's why we start new campuses. Y'all think I'm all mission-minded, and I'm getting rid of the competition. I'm sending those things off. Uh, You've heard Garrett preach the last couple of times I've been out. Yeah, we're going to have a new campus here for long. It won't be long. He'll be be gone. I I, I feel the Lord calling him now. (laughs) Uh, But uh, listen, that's a great gift to be the church. Do y'all remember when some of these guys first started preaching? I remember when Jay and Aaron first started and they would preach 45 minutes they'd preach everything they knew and, it like, and I'd pull them aside and say hey uh, you're going to get another chance you know don't use up everything you got uh, and I hope you enjoyed the last 25 minutes because you were the only one listening everybody else is gone um, and that's just as and that's what you learn. And you only learn that by doing it. You don't learn it by talking about it. You learn it by doing it. And so the campuses with campus preachers, you are growing up some of the best leaders in Middle Tennessee. And and you need to understand what God is doing in you and through you by raising up these pastors that we have of our campuses and what he's continuing to do through them and through their campuses. It is some remarkable stuff that you need to celebrate with God when you pray uh, about what's going on. Um, But uh, we got to celebrate our 42nd anniversary. And uh, yeah. (laughs) I I, I had the opportunity to negotiate a 43rd year. Uh, Jeannie has me on an annual contract now. Uh, and she's tougher to negotiate with than she used to be. She doesn't believe some of the stuff I tell her now, and it's. Um, uh, but uh, we were we were glad to have that time uh, to celebrate. It's good to be back. You hear it in all of the discussions about what's going on in our country, and you will hear the public intellectuals, the talking heads on all of these shows, talking about the breaking apart of the center. Uh, it used to be that when you would run for an office, you would run in, uh, for the election of your party, you would run to the extreme. You would be far right or far left. But once you won the nomination, you would come back and run from the center. That's always been the way that it happened and is one of the geniuses of American politics, uh, that to get the nomination in the primaries, you would run to the extremes. But to get elected in the nation, you had to be in the center. Now we are afraid that we're in a time where the center is no longer strong enough to hold. And we're afraid that our country is being pulled both to the radical end of the far right and the radical end of the far left, and the center can't pull it back together where most of us are. And so you will see these guys, these men and women shake their heads and say, we're afraid now that we're in a a unique time in our nation's history because the center can't hold. And what we're going through as a nation, you and I feel as individuals, don't we? Uh, We feel literally like we're being pulled apart. There are so many demands, so much trouble that our lives are being ripped apart. And if you talk to people, you'll hear phrases like, man, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm being torn apart. I feel like I'm being ripped down the middle. While I was away and did the thinking, I, I, one of the things that we learned during COVID when we had to shut down was that we were doing way too much to begin with. And a lot of what we were doing didn't help. And now that we're coming out of the pandemic and out of COVID, we're making the mistake of adding a whole bunch of stuff back to our life, and we're getting into the same mess we were in. Uh, And I know you're thinking, okay, Mike's going to come back with all these ideas. And my idea is we're doing too much. We're crowning your lives. And here are four things. The next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the essentials. Four things. Today, we're going to talk about worship. Next week, we're going to talk about discipleship. Third week, we're going to talk about a ministry that leads to a conversation. And the fourth week, we're going to talk about prayer. That's it. That's what I want in your life. That's all I want in your life. Now, if you want to add more, fine. If it works for you, fine. But those are the essentials. Those are the things that you must have. And why is worship so important? I tell you all the time that another word for glory is mass, weight. And weight and mass bring gravity. And for something to have gravity, it has to have significant enough weight, mass, to hold the planets in orbit. Our sun has mass, gravity, that holds all the planets in orbit. Only God has the mass needed significant weight to hold all the aspects of your life in its proper order, in its proper orbit. If you put anything or anyone in the place, in the center of your life where only God can be, then your life spins out of control. (coughs) Worship is the time where we willfully Knowingly and intentionally place God in the center of our lives. This is not a new problem, it's a very old one. In fact, it goes all the way back to Deuteronomy. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Verse 4 of chapter 6 Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Now these words I'm giving to you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. Listen, O Israel, the Lord your God... Is one this is God's Word for God's people hear it believe it and live let's pray together tighten the focus of our heart tighten the focus of our minds so that all we see is you and we pray this in your name amen Deuteronomy has an interesting history Uh, For a long time it was considered the five books, one of the five books, the Torah. And it was considered to be a book that that Moses wrote. In fact, the Hebrew name for Deuteronomy is the words because the first line of Deuteronomy is the words according to Moses. Uh, Now, uh, some people began to place some things in history and some things about the book of Deuteronomy that gave us kind of an interesting perspective, maybe a different story. We find that story in 2 Kings chapter 22. A young king named Josiah is leading a uh, reform movement. He's uh, getting rid of the false gods in Judah. He's bringing back uh, people to worship at the temple. He is rebuilding the temple. And in the, the process of rebuilding, they find this scroll. This second book, this second law, this recopying and refocusing of the law. Now, there are some scholars who think that a priest in the time of Josiah took the words of Moses and wrote them to be uh, 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 applicable to this particular moment in Judah's history. And that they went and (gasps) found the second law. And a lot of Deuteronomy is a a retelling of what we've already heard in the first four books. The second time. Look what we found. We found an old book. And it's the book of Deuteronomy. And what is it? What is it that in this time of reshuffling and refocus. Assyria has left the, the stage of history. Now Judah is an independent nation. This is a volatile time for the nation. What is it that they needed to hear more than anything else? Here it is. It's called the Shema. Listen, O Israel, your God, your Lord and God is one. Listen. Hear this. Remember The Lord, your God, is one. The one who brought you out of Egypt, the one who called Abraham, is one, and he's your God. He belongs to you. Did you know that the Christian story and the Jewish story were the only ones who tell a story about a God who shows up? Did you know this? All the other world religions have a God who's already there. Always there. We don't know. Our God shows up. In the Abraham story, he walks up and has dinner with, with, uh, with Abraham. In the Moses story, he confronts him in the burning bush. We have a God who walks around the world, who confronts people. He confronts uh, Saul on his way to Damascus, knocks him off his horse see, we have a God who walks around, who shows up, who confronts his people. This is your God, this shepherd who is always looking for that one lost sheep. In the math of Jesus, the one sheep is always worth more than the 99. And he's yours. He revealed himself to be a father to you, a shepherd to you. And your response is the only response you can have. It's not a fear, not of awe, it is love. And this love is total. Just as the Father has given everything to us, we in return give everything to him desires, everything we want, soul, everything that keeps us alive. The word soul means throat, where you eat, where you breathe, everything that you crave to keep you alive, all your strength, all of your essence. This is to be focused on God and God alone because he's only one. Now, this God being one doesn't mean he's first. It means he's the only one. Okay? Several years ago, Jeannie was introduced as the first lady of Brentwood Baptist Church. She got up and said, I have never been comfortable being called the first lady. If I'm the first lady, that implies there's a second lady. I'd better be the only lady. (laughs) Saying you have God first in your life implies that you have something second. Uh Uh-uh. There's only God. And God alone, no one like him. And if you place anybody in his place, your life will will swirl out of out of orbit. It'll turn into chaos. He is the only one. There are no other gods. There are no other loyalties. There's just Him. What we want to do is we want to love God one of two or three. We love God, but we also love this. We love God, but we also love that. So that when you see that phrase of, "This is what you are to talk about with your children, This is what you are to talk about when you're at home and when you're walking around the city. This is what you're to talk about when you get up in the morning, when you lay down at night. Write it on the doorpost of your home. Write it on the gates of your city. Let it be the subject of all you think about and all you talk about. And most of us, when we hear that, say, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, I can't do that. It won't take me five seconds to turn whatever conversation you want to have with me into an opportunity for me to show you my grandchildren's pictures. (laughs) Wherever you start, I'm going to work it so I can show you a picture of my grandchildren. That's all I talk about. It's all Jeannie and I talk about. We sometimes forget the name of our children but we love our grandchildren. Why isn't Jesus like that? Well, Mike, I don't know what to talk about. Well, here's the question. When's the last time you talked with him? If you don't know what to say about him, when's the last time you talked with him? The radical teaching of Christianity is that our rabbi is alive. And if you open up his word, he tells you, I will teach you just like I taught Peter, just like I taught John and James and all the rest. When's the last time that happened? Well, Mike, you know, there's just a lot, lot going on. You're spending too much time watching television or keeping up with social media. You know, there's no one who loves you more than I do. And in great love for you, I tell you, turn it off, open it up. Turn it off, open it up. And when you open it up, what you'll find out is that people of God has always been living through some kind of mess. There's always something going on, always some kind of drama, and God is faithful in every part of it. So what do you want to go to bed thinking about and talking about? How bad a shape the world is in or how good and strong our God is? Turn it off. Open it up. Now, I know you're saying, well, Mike, listen, I'm not as bad as some people. You know, you always think that when we talk about this thing of worship, that there's been some moment where you have denied God, where you have said, I don't want God in the center of my life anymore, and you have have some kind of grand rebellion. That's not what happens. Here's what happens Uh, Matthew tells us a story about Peter. It's in Matthew 14. It's the time that Jesus was walking on the water, and the disciples saw him. And the disciples thought it was a ghost, they were scared. So finally, Peter calls out and they hear Jesus talking about going, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter, big dude that he is, says, well, if it's you, tell me to walk out to you. And all the disciples are going, yeah, that'll get it, yeah, that'll get it. yeah. And Jesus said the one word that Peter never wanted to hear. Come. Well, once you walk a little closer, then I'll come. Huh? Come. Come. And you know, for a couple of steps, he was walking on water. Let's give the boys due. For a few steps, he walked on water. Then the scriptures tell us he saw the waves and he saw the wind. You can't see wind. You can if you're that scared. (laughs) And he started to sink. That's what you and I do. We see Jesus, and we start to walk. And then we see the waves, and we sink to our ankles. Get our eyes back on Jesus. Tuesday, take your eye off Jesus, and we see the wind, and we sink to our knees. Thursday, Friday, get your eye back on Jesus and then you see the wave. You've never seen waves this big, never felt a wind this strong and you sink to your chest. Friday, you take your eye off Jesus just a little bit and now you're up to your nose Saturday, all you see are the waves. We don't have those big moments where we deny Jesus. We just take our eye off of him and sink a little bit by a little bit, until all you see is the wave. Worship is the time when we intentionally, willfully, and knowingly put God back in the center of our life. When we take our eyes off of the waves, all of our trouble, and notice how Jesus walks to us. In the catacombs of Rome, there's a little stick figure carved in the wall little squiggly lines under it. Jesus walking on the water. The significance of that teaching for those Roman Christians in that catacomb was this. Jesus walks on our trouble to get to us. Jesus walks on the waves of the world to come to us. Nothing, not even death, will stop Him from getting to us. There's no one like Him. That's why He and He alone is the only one that can be the center of our lives. Worship is the time when we willfully, knowingly put God in the center of our life in a moment just like this. Will you stand with us now? and let's continue our worship.